Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of my pillow, here to tell you about my Giza Dream bed sheets. I made sure that they would be everything you'd ever want in a sheet set. I started with the world's finest cotton called Giza. It's only grown in a region where the Sahara Desert, the Nile River, and the Mediterranean Sea all meet. The long staple cotton makes my Giza Dream sheets ultra soft and durable. They come with extra wide pillowcases to fit over any pillow and extra deep pockets to fit over any mattress. Not only that, they come with my 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. And now you can get the best sheets ever for the best price ever. When you buy one of my Giza Dream bed sheet sets, you'll get another one absolutely free. I personally guarantee that they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Specials for the buy one, get one free offer on Giza Sheets. All you got to do, Renegade Nation, is enter the promo code RENEGADE or call 1-800-889-6817 for these great specials. That's 1-800-889-6817. Use the promo code RENEGADE. Please be aware, the stories, theories, reenactments, and language in this podcast are of an adult nature and can be considered disturbing, frightening, and in some cases, even offensive. Listener discretion is therefore advised. Welcome, heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. I am your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating frighteningly imagined creatures, supernatural beings, and even some unsolved mysteries. But I promise, all sorts of weirdness. So, sit back, grab your favorite drink, and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, well, I am so very excited about today's topic. I've been holding on to it so that the timing was just perfect, so I hope you guys like it. All right, with that said, we will still be playing our drinking game. And as you know, the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home and have nowhere else to go tonight. The choice of libation, as always, my darlings, is yours. So please choose your poison accordingly. All right, now for the game part. How about every time I say death? That will be a single shot. And every time I say Baltimore, that's going to be a double shot. Okay, I hope you're scratching your heads on that one. (laughs) All right, we've got the business end out of the way, so we can jump headfirst into today's dark enigma. So, don your petticoat, corset, and hoop skirts. Or for you boys, how about the ascots, overcoats with tails and hats? Oh, how I love me some hats. (laughs) All right, and get ready for today's dark enigma. Inside the mysterious death of the famed gothic writer Edgar Allan Poe. That's right, guys, I timed it perfectly because the 7th is the anniversary of Edgar Allan Poe's death. So, much like his life's work, Edgar Allan Poe's death remains shrouded in mystery. Was the famous author killed from a beating? Carbon monoxide poisoning? Alcohol withdrawal? The eerie tale of how Edgar Allan Poe died is like something out of, well, one of his own stories. The year is 1849. A man is found delirious on the streets of a city in which he does not live, 
wearing clothes that are not his own, incapable and willing to discuss the circumstances under which he has arrived. After suffering from mysterious hallucinations for four days straight, Edgar Allan Poe died of unknown causes in Baltimore at age 40 on October 7, 1849. Within days, he's dead, having suffered from crippling hallucinations in his final hours, repeatedly calling out for a man whom nobody seemed to know. And 174 years later, we are still no closer in resolving this mystery. So let's dive on in. It was raining in Baltimore, October 3rd, 1849. But that didn't stop Joseph W. Walker, a compositor for the Baltimore Sun, from heading out to Gunner's Hall, a public house bustling with activity. It was election day, and Gunner's Hall served as a pop-up polling location for the Fourth Ward polls. When Walker arrived at Gunner's Hall, he found a man, delirious and dressed in shabby, second-hand clothing, lying in the gutter. The man was semi-conscious and unable to move. But as Walker approached him, he discovered something unexpected. The man was Edgar Allan Poe. How he'd gotten to Baltimore was unknown. He either didn't know where he was, or he chose not to reveal why he was there. When he was found wandering outside a local pub, Poe was wearing heavily soiled, shabby clothing that were clearly not his. Once again, he either couldn't or wouldn't provide a reason for his current state. He was, however, able to communicate one thing. The man who found him, that local typesetter for the Baltimore Sun, Joseph Walker, claimed that Poe was coherent only long enough to provide him with a name, Joseph E. Snodgrass, an editor friend of Poe's who happened to have a little medical training. Worried about the health of the adult poet, Walker asked Poe if his acquaintance in Baltimore might be able to help him. Of course, Poe giving that name, Joseph Snodgrass. Immediately, Walker penned Snodgrass a letter asking for help, and I quote, Baltimore City, October 3rd, 1849. Dear Sir, there is a gentleman, rather the worse for wear, at Ryan's Fourth Ward Poles, who goes under the cognomen of Edgar A. Poe, and who appears in great distress, and he says he is acquainted with you. He is in need of immediate assistance. Yours in hate, Joseph W. Walker, to Dr. J. E. Snodgrass. End quote. Fortunately, Walker was able to reach Snodgrass with this note. Within a few hours, Snodgrass arrived, accompanied by an uncle of Poe's. Neither they nor any of Poe's other family members could explain his behavior or his absence. The pair brought Poe to the Washington College Hospital, where he fell into a blind fever. For four days, Poe was racked with fever dreams and vivid hallucinations. He called out repeatedly for somebody by the name of Reynolds, though none of Poe's family or friends knew anybody by this name, and historians have been unable to identify any Reynolds in Poe's life. He also made reference to his wife in Richmond, 
though his first, first wife, Virginia, had died a year prior. And he was not yet married to his then fiance Sarah Elmira Royster. Eventually, on October 7, 1849, Edgar Allan Poe succumbed to his affliction. His official cause of death, death was initially listed as phrenesis, or swelling of the brain. These records, however, have since disappeared, and many doubt their accuracy. So what do we know? On September 27th, almost a week earlier, Poe had left Richmond, Virginia, bound for Philadelphia, to edit a collection of poems for a Mrs. St. Leon Loud, a minor figure in American poetry at that time. When Walker found this delirious disarray outside of the polling place, it was the first anyone had heard or seen of the poet since his departure from Richmond. Poe never made it to Philadelphia to attend to his editing business, nor did he ever make it back to New York, where he had been living, to escort his aunt back to Richmond for his impending wedding. And Poe was never to leave Baltimore, where he launched his career in the early 19th century. Again, and in the four days between Walker finding Poe outside the public house and Poe's death on October 7th, he never regained enough consciousness to explain how he had come to be found in soiled clothes, not his own, incoherent on the streets. Instead, Poe spent his final days wavering between fits of delirium gripped by visual hallucinations. The night before his death, according to his attending physician, Dr. John J. Moran, Poe repeatedly called out for Reynolds, a figure who to this day remains a complete mystery. Poe's death, shrouded in mystery, seems ripped directly from the pages of one of his own works. He had spent years crafting a careful image of a man inspired by adventure and fascinated with enigmas. A poet, a detective, an author, a world traveler who fought in the Greek War of Independence and was held prisoner in Russia. But though his death certificate listed the cause of death as phrenitis, and I know I'm mispronouncing that, those doctors out there, or swelling of the brain, the mysterious circumstances surrounding his death have led many to speculate about the true cause of Poe's demise. And I quote, from Chris Simpner, the curator of the Poe Museum in Richmond, Virginia. Maybe it's fitting that since he invented the detective story, he left us with a real-life mystery. End quote. Though some say alcoholism was the underlying cause, no one knows for sure what caused Edgar Allan Poe's death at the age of just 40. And not only is the story of his death as strange and haunting as his own writings, it remains a mystery to this very day. Though historians have pored over the details for a century and a half, no one knows for sure what caused Edgar Allan Poe's death in Baltimore. Historians have their own theories, each as sordid as the next, and we're going to look at the major theories, and then you can make up your mind which one you think Poe actually succumbed to. One of the most popular theories, which was supported by his friend Snodgrass himself, was that Poe drank himself to death, an allegation perpetuated in the months after Poe's death by his rivals. But in 1867, one of the first theories to deviate from either Farinitis or alcohol was published by the biographer E. Oak Smith in her article 
autobiographic notes, Edgar Allan Poe, and she stated, At the instigation of a woman who considered herself injured by him, he was cruelly beaten, blow upon blow, by a ruffian who knew of no better mode of avenging supposed injuries. End quote. It is well known that a brain fever followed. Other accounts also mentioned ruffians who had beaten Poe senseless before his death. As Eugene Didier wrote in his 1872 article, The Grave of Poe, that while in Baltimore, Poe ran into some friends from West Point who prevailed upon him to join them for drinks. Poe, unable to handle liquor, became madly drunk after a single glass of champagne, after which he left his friends to wander the streets. In his drunken state, he was, quote, robbed and beaten by ruffians and left insensible in the street all night, end quote. Others believe that Poe fell victim to a practice known as cooping, a method of voter fraud practiced by gangs in the 19th century where an unsuspecting victim would be kidnapped, disguised, and forced to vote for a specific candidate multiple times under multiple disguised identities. Voter fraud was extremely common in Baltimore around the mid-1800s, and the polling site where Walker found the disheveled Poe was a known place that Coopers brought their victims. The fact that Poe was found delirious on election day would be of no coincidence. Over the years, the cooping theory has come to be one of the more widely accepted explanations for Poe's strange demeanor before his death. Before Prohibition, voters were given alcohol after voting as a sort of reward. Had Poe been forced to vote multiple times in a cooping scheme, that might explain his semi-conscious ragged state. Around the late 1870s, Poe's biographer J.H. Ingram received several letters that blamed Poe's death on a cooping scheme. A letter from William Hand Brown, a member of the faculty at Johns Hopkins, explains that, and I quote, The general belief here is that Poe was seized by one of these gangs, his death happening just at election time. An election for sheriff took place on October the 4th, cooped, stupefied with liquor, dragged out and voted, and then turned adrift to die, end quote. But Sempner states this, and I quote, A lot of the ideas that have come up over the years have centered on the fact that Poe couldn't handle alcohol. It has been documented that after a glass of wine, he was staggering drunk. His sister had the same problem. It seems to be something hereditary, end quote. Months before his death, Poe became a vocal member of the temperance movement, eschewing alcohol, which he'd struggle with all his life. Biographer Susan Archer Talley Weiss recalls in her bio biography, The Last Days of Edgar A. Poe, an event toward the end of Poe's time in Richmond that might be relevant to theorists prefer a death-by-drinking demise for Poe. Poe had fallen ill in Richmond, and after making a somewhat miraculous recovery, was told by his attending physician that another such attack would prove fatal. According to Weiss, Poe replied that if people would not tempt him, he would not fall, suggesting that the first illness was brought on by a bout of drinking. Those around Poe during his final days seemed convinced that the author did, indeed, fall into that temptation, drinking himself to death. As his close friend J.P. Kennedy wrote on October 10, 1849, and I quote, 
On Tuesday last, Edgar A. Poe died in town here at the hospital from the effects of a debauch. He fell in with some companion here who seduced him to the bottle, which it was said he had renounced some time ago. The consequence was fever, delirium, and madness, and in a few days a termination of his sad career in the hospital. Poor Poe. A bright but unsteady light has been awfully quenched. End quote. Though the theory that Poe's drinking led to his death fails to explain his five-day disappearance or his second-hand clothes on October the 3rd, it was nonetheless a popular theory propagated by Snodgrass after his death. Snodgrass, a member of the temperance movement, gave lectures across the country blaming Poe's death on binge drinking. Modern science, however, has thrown a wrench into Snodgrass's talking points. Samples of Poe's hair from after his death show low levels of lead, explains Sumter, which is an indication that Poe remained faithful to his vow of sobriety up until his demise. In 1999, public health researcher Albert Donay argued that Poe's death was a result of carbon monoxide poisoning from coal gas that was used for indoor lighting during the 19th century. Don A. took clippings of Poe's hair and tested them for certain heavy metals that would be able to reveal the presence of coal gas. The test was inconclusive, leading biographers and historians to largely discredit this theory. While Donay's test didn't reveal levels of heavy metal consistent with carbon monoxide poisoning, the test did reveal elevated levels of mercury in Poe's system months before his death. According to Sempner, Poe's mercury levels were most likely elevated as a result of a cholera epidemic he'd been exposed to in July of 1849, while in Philadelphia. Poe's doctor prescribed calomel, or mercury chloride. Mercury poisoning, Sempner says, could help explain some of Poe's hallucinations and delirium before his death. However, the levels of mercury found in Poe's hair, even at their highest, are still 30 times below the level consistent with mercury poisoning. So there goes that theory, right? In 1996, Dr. R. Michael Benitez was participating in a clinical pathological conference where doctors are given patients, along with a list of symptoms, and instructed to diagnose and compare with other doctors as well as the written record. The symptoms of the anonymous patient, E.P., a writer from Richmond, were clear. E.P. had succumbed to rabies. According to E.P.'s supervising physician, Dr. J.J. Moran, E.P. had been admitted to a hospital due to lethargy and confusion. Once admitted, E.P.'s condition began a rapid downward spiral. Shortly, the patient was exhibiting delirium, visual hallucinations, wide variations in pulse rate, and rapid, shallow breathing. Within four days, the median length of survival after the onset of serious rabies symptoms, E.P. was dead. E.P., Benitez soon found out, wasn't just any Arthur from Richmond. It was Poe, whose death the Maryland cardiologist had diagnosed as a clear case of rabies, a fairly common virus in the 19th century. Running counter to any prevailing theories at the time, Benitez's diagnosis ran in the September 1996 issue of the Maryland Medical Journal. As Benitez pointed out in his article, without DNA evidence, it's impossible to say with 100% certainty that Poe succumbed to the rabies virus. 
and there are a few kinks in the theory, including no evidence of hydrophobia. Those afflicted with rabies develop a fear of water. Poe was reported to have been drinking water at the hospital until his death. Nor any evidence of an animal bite, though some with rabies don't remember being bitten by an animal. Still, at the time of the article's publication, Jeff Jerome, curator of the Poe House Museum in Baltimore, agreed with Benitez's diagnosis and stated, and I quote, This is the first time since Poe died that a medical person looked at Poe's death with any, without any preconceived notions. If he knew it was Edgar Allan Poe, he'd think, oh yeah, drugs, alcohol, and that would influence his decision. But Dr. Benitez had no agenda, end quote. One of the most recent theories about Poe's death suggests that the, the author succumbed to a brain tumor, which influenced his behavior before his death. When Poe died, he was buried, rather unceremoniously, in an unmarked grave in a Baltimore graveyard. 26 years later, a statue was erected honoring Poe near the graveyard's entrance. Poe's coffin was dug up and his remains exhumed in order to be moved to the new place of honor. But... The multiple years of buried decay had not been kind to Poe's coffin or the corpse within it, and the apparatus fell apart as workers tried to move it from one part of the graveyard to another. Little remained of Poe's body, but one worker did remark on a strange feature of Poe's skull, a mass rolling around inside. Newspapers of the day claimed that the clump of Poe's brain shriveled yet intact for almost 20 years in the ground. We know today that the mass could not be Poe's brain, which is one of the first parts of the body to rot after death. But Matthew Pearl, an American author who wrote a novel about Poe's death, was nonetheless intrigued by this clump. He contacted a forensic pathologist who told him that while the clump couldn't be a brain, it could be a brain tumor, which can calcify after death into a hard mass. According to Sempner, Pearl isn't the only person to believe Poe suffered from a brain tumor. A New York physician once told Poe that he had a lesion on his brain that caused his adverse reactions to alcohol. A far less sinister theory suggests that Poe merely succumbed to the flu, which might have turned into deadly pneumonia on his deathbed. As Sempner explains, in the days leading up to Poe's departure from Richmond, the author visited a physician complaining of illness. His last night in town, he was very sick, and his soon-to-be wife noted that he had a weak pulse, a fever, and she didn't think he should take the journey to Philadelphia. Sempter continues, he visited a doctor, and the doctor also told him not to travel, that he was far too sick. According to newspaper reports from the time, it was raining in Baltimore when Poe was there, which Sumner thinks could explain why Poe found was found in clothes that were not his own. The cold and the rain exasperated the flu he already had, and maybe that eventually led to pneumonia. The high fever might account for his hallucinations and his confusion. In his 2000 book, Midnight Dreary, The Mysterious Death of Edgar Allan Poe, author John Evangelist Walsh presents yet another theory about Poe's death, that Poe was murdered by the brothers of his wealthy fiancée, Elmira Shelton. Using evidence from newspapers, letters, and memoirs, Walsh argues that Poe actually made it to Philadelphia, where he was ambushed by Shelton's three brothers, who warned Poe against marrying their sister. 
Frightened by the experience, Poe disguised himself in new clothes, accounting for, in Walsh's mind, his second-hand clothing, and hid in Philadelphia for nearly a week before heading back to Richmond to marry Shelton. Shelton's brothers intercepted Poe in Baltimore, Walsh postulates, beat him, and forced him to drink whiskey, which they knew would send Poe into a deathly sickness. Walsh's theory has gained little traction among Poe historians or book reviewers. Edwin J. Barton, in a review for the Journal of American Literature, called Walsh's story, and I quote, only plausible, not wholly pers- persuasive, end quote. Midnight Dreary is interesting and entertaining, but its value to literary scholars is limited and oblique. That's how he concluded it. For Sempner, however, none of these theories fully explains Poe's curious end, and he states, and I quote, I've never been completely convinced of any one theory, and I believe Poe's cause of death resulted from a combination of factors. His attending physician is our best source of evidence. If he recorded on the mortality schedule that Poe died of phrenitis, Poe was most likely suffering from encephalitis or meningitis, either of which might explain his symptoms, end quote. As it was, Poe had a reputation as a notorious lightweight, and many of his acquaintances claimed it took no more than a glass of wine to make him sick, lending merit to the theory that he imbibed way too much, whether on purpose or by force. However, another physician who tested Poe's post-mortem hair samples claimed that in the months before his death, Poe had been avoiding virtually all alcohol, a pronouncement that threw oil on the fires of speculation. In the years since Edgar Allan Poe's death, his body has been exhumed and the remains studied countless times. Most diseases, such as influenza and rabies, have been ruled out, though a few researchers claim that it's possible that it's impossible to prove that either disease didn't kill him. Other theories that involve poisoning of any kind have also been debunked, as additional studies done on Poe's post-mortem hair samples yielded no evidence. And it's been 174 years, and the death of Edgar Allan Poe is still as mysterious as ever, which seems fitting. After all, he invented the detective story. It should come as no surprise that he left this world with a real-life mystery. And with that, my darlings, we have come to the end of our episode. I thank you for joining me here today, and I hope that you'll take some time to reach out to me and share your thoughts on today's topic. You can always reach me and the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And if you have suggestions for a future show, you just want to tell me what you think, you're bored and you need somebody to talk to, drop me a line because I do reply to every single email. And on that note, my darlings, that's all the time I have for you this evening. I thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio. And you guessed it, don't forget to tune in next time. See you, my heathens. I love you.